The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey there. Welcome to Nick Pollock and Friends, where I talk to people I know and who you should know. Today's episode is with Chris Clegg of Fantrax. I got to meet him in person for the first time. This past weekend at First Pitch Arizona. And Chris, thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, thank you for the invite. It was a pleasure. We were on a panel together. I had an oh, yeah. awesome time doing that. That was a, a great panel, by the way. And yeah, I wish those were recorded. I'd love to go listen back to that. But anyway, right. it was a good panel. And it was a pleasure hanging out with you and chatting with you. So I'm really glad that we could do this together. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Chris, before we continue, tell everybody everything that you do and where to find you. Sure. So on Twitter at RotoClegs, last name C-L-E-G-G. So I write at Fantrax, write at Fantasy Pros. I do some scouting for SoxProspects.com. So a little bit of everything, actually. So and do the Fantrax Toolshed podcast with Eric Cross, who was actually recently on the show. Yeah, you Always was. a good time hanging out with Eric. Actually, Two years ago at First Pitch, first time I actually got to meet Eric in person. So First Pitch is just awesome because you meet these people that you chat with and podcast with in person. And it's just an awesome time, by the way. But as a side note, a plug for First Pitch 2023 that you should go. And I would gladly recommend it to anybody. So yeah, podcast with Eric Cross on the Fantrax Toolshed. Do Dynasty and Prospect work at Fantrax. We have our Patreon that we do more rankings and all that good stuff. Fantasy Pros did writing during the season, do some news desk stuff for them. And then, like I said, do some scouting for Sox prospects. We have a local minor league team. The Red Sox High A is here in Greenville, South Carolina, where I live. And so it's nice getting media access and go to a lot of games and do scouting reports for Sox prospects. So, Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And it's so funny because you're doing all the things that I have never done. <laughs> and uh, it's so important having people like you, of course, in our industry to uh, to help out where we all lack in our own ability. I mean, it was really nice uh, having that panel with you and me and you in person at First Pitch Arizona. There's also First Pitch Florida likely coming yeah. in 2023. I will be there. And uh, anybody listening thinking, oh, man, it'd be really cool to meet some people and see members in the industry. You should you should go. That's a yep. great time. We go to spring training games. It's wonderful. And I'm actually going to, uh, fingers crossed, if they'll let me. I think I have a presentation that I want to give at Florida as well. Uh, and I can't wait to do that. Also, I need a... I need to upend fast. You know, every time he shows up, he does a presentation now. And I'm like, okay, you know what, fast? I can do this too, you know. All right. My first and second first pitch appearances were both presentations fast. All right. (laughs) 
you know, I, I kind of like that we got. Well, well, can you share your panel idea for Florida, or is it still secretive? Uh, it is what we're revealing for PL8. Oh, exciting. And uh, going more in-depth uh, in person about aspects of yeah, it. That's awesome. I really cannot wait for that. So, yeah, be on the lookout for that one. Um, but, Chris, let's let's talk about you in here. I mean, that's the point of this show. Yeah. Um, so let's start at the beginning, as we often do here. Uh, where are you from, and what were the dreams and aspirations of 10-year-old Chris? Oh, man. So, I grew up in Greenwood, South Carolina, which is a... A small town. I live in Greenville now, which is about an hour north of Greenwood. My family still lives in Greenwood. Anyway, I grew up in Greenwood. I played baseball from a young age. I think I probably started t-ball at like three years old, like a lot of kids do. Right. And yeah, it just became a big love and passion of mine. I'm a left-handed hitter. It's interesting. I throw right-handed. I do everything right-handed, but I hit left-handed. Hmm. Dad said when I was playing t-ball, like he'd always put me on the right side. I just turned to the left. He got tired <laughs> of turning me, and he just left me and let me do it. So. Yeah, I, I hit a baseball left-handed. I play golf left-handed. Everything else right-handed. Kind of, kind of weird. But anyway, so I grew up playing, you know, little league, travel ball, all that stuff. And if you've met me, you know I'm a little shorter. I'm like five foot eight, so I'm, no, I'm you're short. Not short. Yeah, you're I'm short. not no. not tall, and so a little undersized. So I played, I played third base growing up. I played second base as we moved to um, school ball, playing in middle school, played on the C team, and then eventually it just kind of like people just outgrew me. They were stronger than me, better than me. So I ended up giving up baseball playing in ninth grade and took up golf, which is still play. I still still coach golf now and still have a passion for baseball, obviously, as I'm doing this, but I quit base playing baseball in ninth grade. But um, the the love didn't really end there as, you know, I still had a passion for Atlanta Braves, you know, being the local team here and going to games and having a minor league team close by. So I always enjoyed doing that. And, you know, some of my favorite memories growing up were actually at minor league games. And so that's kind of where I developed my passion for uh, minor leaguers and, and prospects is watching these guys before they made it to the major leagues. And back in the day when uh, the Braves actually were here in Greenville, I remember Chipper Jones coming through and, Andrew Jones, like all these you know, stud players that I grew up watching. And so it was always fascinating to me to really just see them develop. And you know, as a young kid, I didn't really understand much of the minor league development process. It was just cool to see these guys play. They were interactive, much different than obviously a major league feel. So I really began to love that. And then I played fantasy baseball starting in high school, not very seriously, but in college, I had a buddy invite me to a league, and it was the first time I had played like in a money league. He was like, yeah, it's a, a serious league. They had been running it since like 04 or 05, and it was the first time I like actually took it seriously. And from there, I just got really addicted. I was like, this is awesome. I won the league the first year. and oh, that's great. Yeah, and it was I haven't won it since. Was since I finished second several times, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you had a taste of the honey, right? Oh yeah, right off the bat, and it just got me hooked. And ever since then, like I just began getting more you know in depth with it. And I played a dynasty league, and it was like a, a twenty-four team dynasty that I just randomly found on like Reddit or something. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I actually have to really know these prospects. And that's kind of where that love developed. You know, beyond just going to minor league games, it was. You know, the playing the dynasty league and a deep dynasty league at that, I'm like, all right, I've got to get an edge in some way. And so I really began to study prospects. 
And so, gosh, I just went way past your 10-year-old question. What did 10-year-old Chris dream of? I was just <laughs> ranting. I just remembered you asked that. This is actually what typically happens <laughs> is you just go through the timeline, which is fantastic. Yeah. But 10-year-old Chris probably dreamed of working in sports in some way, either um, actually, I wanted to work for ESPN as like a broadcaster. That was always a dream. Oh, of course, that's yeah. what we all wanted to yeah. do. Yeah, or you know, play baseball. Like that was the dream as a ten-year-old. So I would either I would do something in baseball. And so it's interesting that you know after some time out, like here I am doing it again. And so it's uh, kind of interesting to see how it all evolved. But I think back to those those years, and I'm like, wow, like I always loved that. And as I tried to like figure out what I would do for a career, like. I never thought that like I could actually be a journalist or a writer or a podcaster. It was like those things just didn't seem realistic. Sure, and so yeah. it's really cool. And obviously this, I don't do this for a career, but um, it's something that I do think I would love to do as a career one day as I've kind of worked towards that and grown in the industry. And so I always think that would, uh, that'd be neat. So it's just cool to see the full circle of it all and kind of, you know, where I am now versus where I, dream to be and obviously i'll never be on espn like whatever but i think this is pretty cool like getting to do what we do is just a pretty awesome thing like i never dreamed that people would listen to me talk on a podcast like i'm just a got a southern voice from south carolina like <laughs> i thought didn't think anybody would listen to me yeah or, but everybody everybody knows that you have one of the best voices <laughs> in the podcast world oh man appreciate that but also i mean you're saying it, it you know this didn't exist uh, back then, what we do now. Yeah. Um, we have that avenue in so many ways now. The ease of creating something and putting it out is, you know, with from iPhones having uh, or your, your, your cell phones having video to uh, free podcast platforms and how easy it is just to get a mic and shove it up there is, is incredible. <laughs> um, you also mentioned, uh, you know, ESPN and everything like that. ESPN is different now. You yeah. know, when we were growing up, it yep. was everything. That's all it was. If you want sports, it was that. Yeah. Now ESPN is one of many, and it's a different animal than it was back then. It's so obviously in it for the money yeah. at this point. Yeah, um, I tend to agree. It's and it's sad. It's, it really is sad because like I just remember waking up every morning as oh, a yeah. kid, like before school, Seven and that o'clock. was the first thing I did. You know, eating breakfast, yeah. like go and like watch all the highlights of. It wasn't just Stuart baseball. Scott, yeah, it Kenny was every Maine. sport. Uh, yeah, it was so good. Yeah. I know. I knew everything. I knew everything that was going on all the time because yeah. of that. Yep. And, and now I, I just don't want to hear what Tom Brady's doing. I don't no. care. It's it's all drama now. It's sad. Yeah. And uh, I even remember reading the newspaper to look at box scores. Like it was like I could spit off like any stat. Like just yeah. because like I had all these stats memorized as like a young kid. Like I was probably the stat nerd at school. Like I knew all these random stats about players and now it's mm-hmm. useful. Like in the fantasy baseball world, who knew? <laughs> yeah. What do you know? <laughs> um, so, so, so where did you go to school? I must've missed that along the way. Oh yeah. I don't know if I quite got there. I went to Anderson university here in South Carolina. It's about 25 minutes from where I live now. So it's just a small school here in South Carolina. It's where I met my wife and you know, we've stayed in this area since and, yeah, it's a great place. Enjoyed my time there. And man, I would uh, like it. If you ask, I'd go back to college again. I'd never go back to high school again. I just college experience was awesome. Like really enjoyed right. that. Yeah, for me, actually, personally, I feel as if college was my high school. Yeah. Um, I, I went to I went to a small private school, the same one as uh, Adam Adovino. Really? Um, wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was on the 
I was on the varsity B team. He was on the varsity A. When I was a freshman, he was a senior. So I got to practice with him a good amount. Nice. Which was hilarious because I was just like, oh my God, this is what I'm going to be. We all <laughs> knew like how good he was. Yeah. Um, but uh, like he he threw, like we, we split up on into teams. I remember once I didn't hit against him, but he was throwing change ups to everybody. And that was like 80 something, you know, <laughs> we're like, this is weird. Yeah. Um, this is not normal. <laughs> yeah. I uh, But I, but I had 46 in my graduating class. Oh, wow. And I had known half of them at least since first grade. Yeah. So I never had that opportunity. A lot of people think about high school. You go to a bigger school, you find yourself and your identity. Um, I mean, yeah, it took me ages. I, I mean, I also I also went through puberty at like 16. <laughs> you know, I was late on it. You know, as far as like social cues and all of that, I was so far behind everybody. And <laughs> and it wasn't until like college that I got to leave everything that I knew and go find myself. Um, and that was, you know, again, Brandeis, uh, like 3,200, which is what a lot of people's high school is, right? Right. <laughs> so the real proper college experience maybe was senior year for me. Um, but I, yeah, it, it was, I understand. I don't want to go back to high school. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. I don't have any, yeah. any appreciation for that. You know, college. No. Okay, cool. That was when I became me a bit. Um, and then a few years after, but here you are in college. What did you, uh, what did you major in? So actually I made, I majored in Christian studies, which is what I do full time. Now I'm a student minister at a, a church. So I work with sixth oh, through 12th right? grade students. Yeah. So I work at a church here and you know, work with college age and then middle and high school students. So yeah, that, that was, uh, that was what I studied. I went in undecided, you know, I was, uh, I was really trying to find myself, I guess in the high school and then early college, like really trying to figure out like what my purpose was in life and what I was mm-hmm. going to do. And, you know, like I said, I always thought like, oh, sports journalism and all this stuff, but it just didn't seem feasible. And then like, I was like, oh, I'll be an accountant. Like I like numbers. And so I shot an accountant in high school and I was like, oh man, I hate this. I cannot do this yeah. every day. Yeah. So like it helped. And then like, honestly, like I really, and it, that was a tough period of life. Like my end of senior year of high school through early days of college was like um, probably one of the lower points of my life. And I was just really fighting and wrestling with what I would do. And, you know, mm-hmm. it led me down some paths that, you know, I wasn't proud of. And, but I really grew from that. And through that, right. like, I, I really felt like, you know, that was what God had called me to do in life was to work with students. And so, like, I'd always grown up in church and, um, you know, helped out at church and been in the student ministry myself. And so, I'd always been a leader to younger kids. And so, like, that was kind of where I felt led. And so, I've done that for, eight years now, full-time job, been at this church for over six years. So it's been really neat. Um, oh, look at that. Yeah. So good stuff. I mean, it's, oh boy, uh, I, I could do a whole podcast just about discovery of your individual self yeah. Yeah. Um, and the roads that people go down to. And a lot of people look back at it in shame of saying, oh man, I was lost at that time. Or if only I'd known. Um, I don't look at it that way because you're trying to find yourself and by trying to find yourself, that's such a positive, you know, I, uh, a lot of people don't, a lot of people just coast and they don't think about it and they don't develop, they don't yeah. grow, they don't discover their, yeah, their passion, right? The thing that they, they feel they should be doing. Yeah. Um, and I agree. So, like for a while in my life, I really did look at it like those days as like a, a real negative. Like I just would always beat myself up about, you know, how I lived for like a six month period. But then I, mm-hmm. 
at the end of the day, it's like, as I've grown, I'm like, you know, those, those times were a trying time where I did grow. And at the end of the day, like, that's what matters is that we, we learn from things we do and that we grow from them. Yeah. And, you know, in the midst of that finding like who we are and, you know, what we're really called to do in this life. So there you go. Uh, I mean, for me, it was psych major, computer science minor, graduating and not knowing anything I was going to do. Be a guitarist. <laughs> no. Worked at Guitar Center. Nice. Uh, I, I, I worked at this uh, weird news website for a bit. And then eventually, yeah, then eventually it was Picture Gifts. And I was like, okay, this makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, we'll see. Do you still uh, play a lot of guitar? Oh, yeah. All the time. Nice. Um, yeah. I was in... I was in three bands one that never got past like four we had like two or three songs and then that ended we never gigged another one it was called midnight agenda nice um <laughs> we took like forever to come up with a name the lead singer she came up with that one i said fine <laughs> i thought of it as like witches with their cauldrons <laughs> she was like nick no it's more suggestive than that and i was like oh fine <laughs> um and then we never gigged though the uh the drummer called out um and we never really did that but he had some like really good songs and then yeah three or three of my friends and i like one of them was auditioned for another band and had like three hours of practice session so then we went and joined him for like two hours after and we just messed around it was three guitarists and a drummer nice and then uh then one of the guys was like all right i'll play bass and sing just to make this exist. Um, and we we did that for like two and a half years. Um, it was just for fun. It was just like yeah. for our friends and everything. Sure. I had a great time. I wrote all the music because I was like, I have all these songs I've written for like, I have like 200 songs. Which ones do you like? Um, so that was great. I had a great time with that, but I, I knew it was never going to happen. Um, but yeah, play, it sounds like you, you play though. I, I do. I play acoustic. I was going to ask if you play more acoustic or lead electric or... Um, my, my passion is lead electric, but yeah. I don't want to whip it out anymore. Like I'm my Paul Reed Smith and like <laughs> nice. the case and I am I'm in a New York city apartment. All right. There was a time I had what I called, um, I, uh, what was it? It was just like, uh, it was like honey in a box. Um, which was, I, uh, I had a, I don't know if you're familiar with amps or not. Uh, yeah. You must be, um, yeah. like a Marshall JCM 800, right? The right. classic thing there's a uh, a guy named splon his name is splon he would hot rod them and he would take like the board of it and like change it to make it a little bit more just uh driven and uh, excitable right um and he called them splon amps i had a pro stock of this which was just the the gain channel not the clean and i had it on a, a 2 by 12 with like v30s with casters and stuff i had this amazing setup and you played in this and it was just oh man you felt like you could conquer the world you <laughs> right know? So you're shredding but it i'm in a brooklyn apartment i can't possibly do this you know I, like where am i going to do and it, it's so heavy you know i'm not driving this thing around if i'm bringing this to a gig i'm lugging it and there's no way i'm doing that yeah exactly so i had to sell it i got like a little oh, 15 watt i uh, yeah. um dark terror i uh, orange amp which served me fine yeah but every time i was on stage with them like this should be a spawn <laughs> it had better <laughs> but uh yeah. but you only do acoustic then yeah, mostly. And I, I like playing electric, but uh, not not as good with the lead stuff. If I took the time, like if I had the time, I probably could 
you know, right. learn it. But I was just always acoustic. Yeah, just yeah. I mean, so they're different well. animals. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have I play my acoustic all the time now. It's the one that like hangs out. It's a beater. It's like an yeah. Ibanez. My dad got it for me like a year yeah. into playing guitar, and that's it. The uh, the electronics in it have fallen out. Oh no! <laughs> so it's just a hole on the top, and I'm like rattling around inside the body. Oh. <laughs> I can't. I, I've done. Tried to do all this. I tried to put tape inside of it. Tried to. Do this, it just won't stay. Yeah. Um, for sure. I, I, do you have like a beater? Do you have what, what kind of acoustic are you, you playing? Uh, with? I've got a Martin DX1 that I play. Oh yeah, mostly, you got so. the good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, played an good. Epiphone before it was a uh-huh. hummingbird, like the knockoff of the Gibson. So I played yep. that for a while. Right. And then I got the Martin. I got the Martin actually used. Like a guy was selling it. I saw it on Facebook. Always like, get used. Oh yeah. man. And it was the number one thing I tell people. Yeah. Yeah. Used guitars. Guitars are the thing that like people say like, oh, it's worn out. It has character. Yes. Rarely sound with it. Yeah. It's get get used guitars all the time. Unless it's like actually like scraped and looks disgusting or something. Fine. But anything that like is like new or great condition or something get used. You get like 25 percent off, sometimes 50. And it's insane. Yeah, uh, one hundred. Like the biggest suggestion I give everybody: don't buy a new one. Yeah, that's um, fair. So I, I'm waiting uh, when I when I get my like big break, when I get the time that like I can take a salary from Pitcherless or something like that, and not, you know, and not feel guilty about restricting something else about the site. I'm getting myself a Taylor Seven One Four C. Nice. Yeah, I love. That. I know this. I played every Taylor. I I was in Guitar Center like my last week. And I just like slacked off and went to the acoustic section and said, okay, I need to figure out what the guitar is for me. Right. And it's that one. I need the cutaway. I need the electronics. I yep. want the tuner in there. 100%. Uh, and that thing is just butter. Oh, That's awesome. Yeah. I want that one. Yeah. It's a little, it's a, it's not as deep necessarily as the Martins. The Martins generally have that deeper sound just a little bit. But the Taylor's so easy to play. Ah. Yeah. Taylor's do have a good feel. It's just. The way they kind of sit, like, on your body, mm. like, it's just they yeah, do have a good sense. feel, good I, sound. I got you. Yeah. So, so what do you when you pick up your acoustic? What do you normally play? What's like your go to? Man, a variety of stuff. Like, play some stuff at church, and then yeah, you know, I like country music, so I play some country music, even mm-hmm. some, you know, some classics. Like, you know, really anything. I'm I'm all over the board with like a musical interest in, in what I play. So, sure. Do you, do you write at all? No, you know, I always wanted to when I was younger. Why not? Like, you just, there's no, there's no one stopping you. You just I never had the inspiration. Like I just never had the inspiration mm. to actually do it. Like as when I tried, like I just couldn't find the words. It's like, I'd rather just play something that's already written. And yeah, that was just easier for me. So yeah, I, absolutely. I got that completely. Oh yeah. I, re- I remember <laughs> I have these like distinct memories of, I mean, I was 16, almost 17 when I finally started playing. And I remember going to my dad and being like, listen to the song I wrote and he's like, uh-huh. You know, it's like the worst thing ever. It's like third fret, second fret, first fret, zero, you know, like what a song. Um, but I, no, I, I, I encourage anyone that's trying to get into guitar. My rule of thumb is like, you learn the five or six basic ones like D A E G uh, C, right? Yeah. Forget about B, forget about F. Those are bar chord stuff. It's hard. Right. Forget them. Yep. <laughs> Forget you can capo if you need, you know. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then uh and then from there, there are like you can learn ACDC songs. Those are really easy with those yeah. chords. 
um like free falling is where i learned how to do a sus on the uh, d yep that's the one great song. I, and then i uh, and semi trump kind of life is where you learn like the c over d yeah uh, to g um but then from there i would just make up songs just like random things and that got me going my right hand and like different rhythms and stuff i'm just using those five chords yeah. um and that once you have that baseline then you can do anything you want that's my suggestion to anybody learning guitar yeah we're we're gonna we're gonna move past this, but hey, guitar people, you got some enjoyment. Congrats. And we're gonna move on to other stuff. But before we do, we're gonna take a quick break. So let's talk about the first time that you jumped into the baseball space. Uh where were you? What was the first thing you said uh you did and like your inspiration to say, I'm gonna make something? Well, it probably started back in 2019. I learned a lot about TGFBI and tout wars. And then I was like, oh, TGFBI is really awesome. Like if you just contribute, you can do it. Like I was like, oh, I'll never be in tout, you know, but TGFBI, you just contribute something, you can do it. So like, I guess midway, probably like late 2019, actually, I started just a, a blog, like just, just to write. And that was some advice I got was just to write. And like, the more you write, the better you're going to get. And Gosh, it probably got like 10 or 15 views like per article, like article I wrote, whatever. Yeah. It didn't matter. I wrote and I got experience. And where did you write? It was just a, gosh, I don't even remember what it was called at this point. Oh yeah, I do. It was called a uh, Phenom Fantasy Baseball. I don't there know why, but it, I yeah. think one of my travel teams growing up was called the Phenom. So I just like had that in my mind. I was like, let's use that. So anyway, yeah, sure. Yeah. That was like my inspiration because TGFBI, I was like, I want to play with these guys. Like I, it's funny now because we can, we look back and like, I remember like asking Eric Cross questions on Twitter in like 2018. Like you can still go back and look at the tags and it's funny oh, like now funny. that I podcast with them. And so And you're like, like "Oh, Eric, no. No, Eric. <laughs> Why did I ever listen to right. you, Eric?" <laughs> so no, it is it's not. funny, but like all those guys that I like I guess I would say semi interacted with at least through Twitter or like asking questions and that sort of thing. Like cause I wanted to play with those guys. Yeah. And so that was why I started that. And then in February of 2020, um, Michael Simeon put out a ad through SP Streamer that he was looking for writers. And I was like, mm-hmm. why not? I'm going to apply. And, you know, I just had those samples. And luckily I had some samples to give him from the blog that I had. And so I gave him some samples and he liked them. And we did a phone interview and he was like, yeah, I think it'd be a great fit. And so I remember like I wrote my first article in like March 6, like 2020, not knowing the world was about to like shut down. Like, yeah, who oh have baseball? It was like a terrible time wow. to start. <laughs> I was like, uh. it, it was funny because I was just talking to, when we were playing golf out in Arizona, I was talking to Bloomfield and Bubba and Jeff Erickson. I was like, I haven't had a normal baseball season doing analysis. Like, 2020 yeah. was weird. Right. 2021 was weird. We haven't weird. had it since 2019. I know. I'm like, gosh, like, can 2023 please just be normal? Like, that would be phenomenal. Right. Oh, <laughs> but man. uh yeah. So, I started and then like, you know, we did some podcasts with the site and I was like, man, I really enjoy that. Like at that time, Doug Ishikawa was um, hosting the pod with Michael and we did some of those shorts and he started, they started doing like the prospect ones. I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like I love this. And so like, I was like, I've got to get in on this. And so I was writing, doing some pods with them. And then I remember Bubba invited me on his pod for the first time. And I was like, man, like this is, I, I was like, at that point I was like, I'm making it. Like I've got to go, yeah, I went out right? and bought a mic, like just for nice. that. I went out and bought a Yeti because Bubba oh, you bought a Yeti? Good stuff. I did. Yeah. So yeah, that was like, I'd ask some people and like, you, yeah. You probably had it turned the right way while Bubba at the time <laughs> had it turned the wrong way. Yeah, he was speaking into it like, like I am in this XLR mic right now, you know? 
but uh it was funny and like i literally went out and bought a mic specifically for that i was like bench with bubba is like a huge thing like i loved it and like and i thought it was such a big deal that kind of vibe so i always you know i always joke with bubba yeah. like, he was the Bubba's reason the like, best yeah Bubba's phenomenal about getting like new people in the industry yeah onto that and so it was an interesting actually development because like at the time um michael it just began to get a lot for michael to like manage writers on the site and so they end up merging with um, Michael Curlin and Matt Williams into Roto Fanatic. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of happened. God, that probably happened in like late May. And I think it launched in like June. And so at that point, we still didn't have baseball, but we were like still going to be putting out content. Like I was like, I don't even know if I'm, I had to interview with all of them. I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to be on there or not. And right. so they brought me on and that was great for a time. And then you know, I ended up playing in a league with Eric Cross. And that was how we connected and just having the mutual interest of, you know, dynasty and prospects. And so I really got to know Eric Moore through that league. And then it was probably like July that he brought me on to fan tracks. And that was really mm-hmm. where it kind of took off. Like once I got the fan tracks, it was like, yeah, I'm just going to work my butt off and do as much as I can, like as with the time that I have and really work on putting out the consistently good content. And I think that was the the struggle at first was like, putting out a lot of content, but also making the content good. So right. that's what I really want to focus on. I was like, I want to put out consistent content, but make sure it's good. And so that was kind of the development is like just really working and grinding. And people always ask like how I had time to do so much. And it was like, you know, I just put the the effort in with the time, the free time that I do have. And I'm just going to bust my butt and make this thing happen. And through that and really through Eric, like, I was able to grow. I, I attribute a lot of my growth in the industry to Eric because, you know, he was always promoting my stuff. And then we started the podcast and we, we intentionally, we were going to start the podcast and do more like prospect video stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's kind of evolved. And we were like, you know what, like we have good chemistry with this. So let's just roll with the podcast. And so that must've launched in October of 2020. And so I think we just had two we came up on two years of of doing it and we've done like 160 episodes since so it's really cool to see the development this this kind of happened at the time and like you look back at the first episodes and it was like like i wasn't good on a mic but you learn things you do it and writing it's like man those articles i wrote at the beginning were really bad but (laughs) and that's the best thing like the best advice i had a phone call with somebody yesterday that is going to be writing for the first time with dynasty guru. And they just messaged mm-hmm. me and they were like, Hey, do you have any advice? I was like, man, I'd love to chat on the phone with you. Just like about what yeah, I've learned sure. over the years. And they had some questions. So we chatted and I was like, the best advice that I can give you is like, just be consistent, like be consistent in the space, connect with people. Like, and that's the best thing that you can do is like, yeah. and refine yourself, like always be working to get better. And that's what I did. Like i I look back at these articles and while I'm like, man, those were terrible. Like I look and say, wow, like I've really grown in a lot of areas since then. I've really grown to be comfortable on the microphone and be able to, you know, have regular podcasts, which is awesome. And so like I, one of the best things that I've learned is just be consistent and connect with people. Like if you're not connecting with people, like you're really not going to grow. And we do it for the people, not just connecting with industry people, but connecting with people that listen and read our work. Absolutely. And that's, yeah. that's the cool thing about first pitch too, is like, not only are there industry people there, but there's a lot of people that just love fantasy baseball and being able to connect with oh, those that's people. That's the best part. Yes. Is uh, seeing all these people like, wait, you, you, you like this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And like, oh man, I want to hear everything that you think about this, about the industry, what you're looking. I mean, they're, they're there because they just enjoy it. You know, there are a lot right. of people that are like, I mean, obviously I want to be there to see you and 
uh, all, all the people we know in the industry, but meeting these new people is right. Just, this is this is the best part. Yep. And it's always encouraging when somebody says like, hey, I remember what you said on this podcast or what you wrote in this article. And like, it really helped me. Like, there's nothing that beats that, you know? And so we do it for the people. And so at the end of the day, like if you're not connecting with others, not only industry people, but connecting with just people in general, like that's that's what it's all about. The, com- the fancy baseball community is special in that sense where it may be a small community in our eyes, but at the end of the day, like it is a tight knit community. And so, Oh yeah. So the more you connect, the better. And the more the people they bring into, uh, I've said it before, just showing up. I said I was an expert one day on Reddit and that was that, you know? (laughs) Um, and I, the warmth given by the rest of the community, them saying, Oh, one of us, as opposed to who are you and patting down. There have been maybe one or two people, in my experience, um, when I've approached people to say like, hey, I'd love to, you know, have you on or do this or that. There may be maybe two people in my day that have like given me the whole pat down of like, what is this? You know, right. all of that. Uh, I will not tell you who those people are. Um, and it's probably not the people that you're thinking of. Or maybe it is at least <laughs> one of them. Um, but I but everyone, I mean, everyone like Steve Gardner was instantly like, oh, sure. What is this? Like, what? You're Steve Gardner, man. Yeah. That's... Like, you know, and, and Gray Albright and, um, you know, Colton and the Wolf. I mean, all Jeff Erickson, all these people are just wonderful. They're instantly like, yeah, sweet. Yep. I'm like, oh, OK, awesome. I got to hang out with Tristan Cockcroft and like Tristan is yep. the nicest guy. And I remember freaking out at Tout Wars when I just went and visited in 2000. I guess it must have been 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, and I threw him BP, you know, and I was like, I cannot believe I'm throwing BP to, to <laughs> Tristan. And there is a video of that somewhere. My mechanics awesome. are the worst. They are so bad because I'm trying to like throw not with my arm and with my legs only. Um, but then not, and then slowing down my arm, essentially just try not make myself sore the next day. Sure. But because of that, I have like the longest stride and like the slow, like the lowest like arm action. And it looks so bad. And I'm in boots and I, I'm embarrassed by that video. I know like when an actual BP guy is, it's a very short stride and it's just all arm. And that's what you're supposed to do. Not what I did. Anyway, it was a joy. And this entire industry is like that. Um, and it's really nice to hear that you're, you know, you're passing the baton in that way. Someone's like, yeah. hey, I want to reach out to Chris now um, yeah. that's and always see cool what he thinks about this. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, I think also I, I've had this of like, OK, when is that moment? You know, when is I've made it or so you're talking about with Bubba or so you never know. And it's about um, I put out (laughs) a lot of articles in my day. Um, Many I've I've written at fan graphs. I've done stuff with CBS Sports. I've done stuff with MSG. I've done stuff with Washington Post. I've done all of this. And I I never know what is the one that gives me another opportunity. Um, I remember Washington Post. I put out a gift breakdown of, of Steven Strasburg. Him returning from Tommy John back yeah. in 2014, or maybe it was even the 15. Yeah. And uh, Neil Greenberg was like, "Hey, this is great. Like, can you do this for us?" I was like, "Yes, <laughs> of course." Like, are you kidding? Like, <laughs> all right, you know that kind of thing. And you never know. And as you said, being consistent is everything. You can write the best article you've ever written, but you know what? That other one you wrote about Trevor Williams is better. Or as what gets you noticed by someone right. else. And it's not a, you know, it's great to pour a lot into an article and feel that. 
it's more important to get to a point where you feel confident in whatever you do yeah. and that it doesn't take 100% of you to make it. You know, you should be focusing on that and improving and everything. But getting to that plateau of your own confidence of saying, hey, Nick, can you write something on Luis Garcia? I'm like, which one? Haha. <laughs> <laughs> um, of the Astros? And I say, sure. And I know that whatever I put out, that could be the thing that someone latches to. And I'm still going to do that consistently. Yeah, for sure. So that's I love that you mentioned that um, it's not easy in the industry to to jump in. Yeah, I wouldn't start a site now. I'll tell you that. Um, I, I think I've said that a lot. Don't start. If you're thinking about getting in the industry, don't start a website. Start a medium if you want to write. Just get some blog posts and then find some place to, to apply from there. Post yeah. it on Twitter. Interact with everybody on Twitter if it still survives. Um, it's not. I I can't believe that's going to be Mastodon. I just can't. This is like a moment in time <laughs> with Twitter. We all want it to exist. We all want it to be its thing. It's really weird right now. Yeah. It will. It will sort itself out soon. Yeah. It'll be okay. <laughs> I have to have faith in this. Yes. Um. I saw something because- about Mastodon yesterday. I don't even know what it was. Uh, yeah, for everyone to confuse, what is Mastodon? Think of it like Discord Twitter, um, where how Discord works is it's not a centralized, like this is what Discord is. It's decentralized where it's all these different servers. Um, so like I have a Pitcherless server. You know, I'm sure you have a Fantrax server or, or a Prospect Toolshed one, right? Um, so think of it like that. And... I don't know exactly. I tried actually even doing it, starting in my own server. I couldn't even figure it out. Oh, tried to figure out where people would be even heading on it. I couldn't figure it out. And the fact that I couldn't, I was like, wait, I should be good at this. Yeah. And I wasn't. So if you're wondering what Macedon is, it does look like Twitter. It really does. It's just instead of going to Twitter.com, you go to a specific server of it. The idea of unifying everyone into one is going to be really hard. Yeah. Uh, and it, like imp- near impossible to do. Uh, I don't believe that one will work. I believe also you throw in this massive influx of users and it will break down and everyone will be Probably. upset. Um, and, you know, I, I do I faith in what it is now with Twitter and like all these silly things that he's doing? I think it's pretty bad, but I'm not going to get into that anymore. <laughs> It'll be fine, guys. Stick around yeah. on Twitter. Interact with people. Network. Go to First Pitch Arizona if you're interested in it. Do not feel like a stranger. I got to meet Joe Rico. Um, I don't know if you met Joe. Yeah. You must have. We played, we played golf. We hung out. It was awesome. Yeah, he's fantastic. Um, more, you know, one of the newer ones in the industry. Um, and I, I saw myself a lot of like, I'm here and I don't know what to do. I don't really know anybody. And uh, and it was really great talking to him and meeting him. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I look at Joe, I'm like, great job, man. Way to like be involved. Right. Like that's what you're supposed to do. It's not easy exactly. to do. Uh, but just do it. We don't bite. We we're so happy you're here. Uh, and uh, it was great meeting Joe. Great meeting so many other people there. Got to meet Lauren Auerbach and yeah, Sarah, she's awesome. Sarah Sanchez, um, for example. And uh, yeah, it was great meeting you for the yeah. first time. First with Jason. That was a fun panel. I gotta say. Yeah, uh, it went better it, than I expected. Yeah. Well, it, it. I mean, it turned into a giant Q and A. Yeah. Um, which was fine. I mean, honestly, yeah. that to me is the best panel. A giant Q&A is to answer the questions that the people want. We're like, look, it's after 350. All these guys are going to be bad in some way. (laughs) We're going to be lucky if something happens. I mean, I tried to make that my biggest point of, I don't know, it's this fantasy analysis on a non-baseball thing. But like, 
look, like there's just find the way that you want. Um, I think my the thing that was most interesting to me um, was I'm going to embarrass Chris here um, was that you were saying, oh, I don't belong because I'm sitting next to Jeff Zimmerman, who I don't belong to Jeff Zimmerman. Um, and, and then there's Govier and I, you couldn't have been more wrong um, because, I mean, just even look at it, even this panel, you can say we all have different expertise. Jeff is like, I'm looking at the projections and exactly what characteristics worked last year. What I'm saying is, okay, I'm looking at the individual profiles of how people pitch and what the things are. And then a lot of these after 350, what are they? They're prospects. I don't know them. Jeff doesn't know them. You're an expert at it. And you had fantastic answers about all of it. And it was the perfect trio for this. It did work And you well. absolutely belong. And yeah. it's it's important to find the right balance of saying you do belong. Just don't be arrogant about it, which you aren't. You know, there's a lot of people that show up like, oh, I'm the greatest. I'm the best. No one is like that in the fantasy industry. <laughs> nah. But you belong. Right. Yeah. And uh, it was really great having you on that panel. Yeah. So well, never tell me that you don't belong. again. <laughs> I mean, for my first panel at first pitch, like that, like on a starting pitching panel, you get what I'm saying. Like you, you nope. guys are. Nope. I, I, well, I appreciate. Well, you gave me confidence and I appreciate that. And once we got rolling, I felt good. It was easy. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like, all right, cool. There's Kate Cavalli. Can you tell me about Kate Cavalli, please? <laughs> Thank you so much. I don't know this. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Uh, uh, I mean, I understand he's a highly touted thing, but like, I didn't really love what I saw. But he was all no. bad. okay. Not not going to do this. Yeah. Nick Pollock and friends is not fantasy <laughs> analysis. Um. But uh. So so let's talk more about um. You you've been in this industry now for over three years. Mm-hmm. Um. And the future. Right. What exactly are your aspirations from here? Is it look? I've got a good situation. I like what this is. I want to stay like this. Or what is ahead? ideally for you i wish i had a good answer for that because that's what i've been really questioning myself is what is next and what does the future look like well let's go through all the options all right let's Here figure we go. it out right now live yep. on a podcast yep. chris i i'm to the point now where i think i would love to find a way to be able to do this for a job right you know it's it's become harder in some ways because I have a one and a half year old kid at home and a, a wife at home and sure. you know, talking about more kids. So it's like my time that I do this is in the evening and night. And so I would love to, and I know that obviously baseball is on at night. So like you're going to do stuff all the time, but it, I would love to be able to do this like during the day. I think that would be awesome to be able to just record and, and write during the day and get so much more done. And I'm fortunate in a way that I do have some freedom with what I do that I am able to do a little bit of that. Um, so that is nice, but I'm just trying to figure out like, where is that a possibility, I guess, because right. a lot of these bigger sites don't value baseball like I would like to. And that's, that's frustrating in, in a sense. Like and I wrote for fantasy pros this year, like they have a huge platform, but it's like, they kind of shut all the baseball stuff down in like August. It's like football. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it. It, it makes sense. It's, it's always, yeah. about, uh, you know, follow the money. Yeah. And I get yeah, it. Yeah. That's football is the money maker. So that's the hard thing. Like, I don't see myself doing fantasy football. Like, right. I play in one league, like that I play with with friends. Like, that's it. Like, and yeah, yeah like I like football, but I'm not going to do fantasy football. So just trying to figure out how to make it all work and where that can possibly work. I don't know, because I feel like making it full time in the baseball world is hard because there are just limited 
opportunities. And that's not to say like, I'm going to work hard to do that. Like I'm going to work hard and try to achieve my goal, but just trying to figure out where that could be. I don't know whether that's contributing to a lot of sites to you know, pair it together. I would love to be at one spot and just really be able to focus on that. But what does that look like? Okay. I don't really know. So I'm going to, I'm going to get real for a moment, everybody on this podcast. Okay. I, uh, the way that I think is best to think about this stuff is, um, let's say you're doing it full time. Okay. So I'm going to ask you a question that you're not going to want to answer. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, let's think about it on a per day basis of how much you need to make to feel comfortable doing this full time uh, per day. I, uh, what does that number look like to you? I to do some right? math. Yeah. Yeah. We got to do some math here. I know. So I, so let's just, let's, let's just, I'm just going to ask a number then for the, for the yearly salary. I, sure. I'm so sorry. Just what no, is no, a no. comfortable level for you? Uh, 50 to 60,000. 50 to 60. Okay. That's a comfortable, let's, let's, let's say it's 60. Yeah. Right. Um, so that means over 12 months you need 5,000, uh, mm-hmm. right. So you can just say you have to make $500 a day. Okay. Right. That gets you to, uh, no, that's way more. Okay. That'd be nice. Be, that'd be very nice. <laughs> um, 5,000 a month means, uh, that you're making 1250 a week, uh, which essentially means 250 a day. Okay. 250 a day, Monday through Friday. Right. So that means each day you have to do things that equate to $250. So there needs to be some form of content each yeah. day that spread across what you do equates to that, right? Okay, so um, the different avenues to do that right now are video, podcasting, and writing articles. Uh, depends on the platform you're working on. I uh, So uh, if you have a major site and doing a, an article every day with that, there's going to be some cuts uh, about you know how what the percentages are. I cannot speak for uh, for the larger ones. How we work, we don't do a cut. We just do a flat fee because some things do well, some things don't. I purposely make it so that the writers are not thinking about the article success and they're just writing something that we want them to write about. Right? Sure. Um, my dream is to make it so that we have full time people here. That's the whole intent. I hear all these stories about. Oh man, there's no money in it, all this kind of stuff. I disagree. I think I see the path to it. It's just about executing it and, you know, having the right team and not to mention not having a corporate umbrella above me. Sure. And I don't need to make a million dollars a year, Chris. Nah. <laughs> so, you know, so nobody should. Uh, so for me to be, I think that we can make that haven eventually. It's just about yeah. step by step getting there, right? Okay. Sure. So $250 a day is what your goal is. Um, if you're if you have a successful podcast and you have a good system with that, you can make about a hundred hundred fifty dollars per podcast doing that, right? Yeah. If not more, um, and, you know. If you want to talk in the realms of if you make five thousand dollars per podcast or five thousand listens per podcast, sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, five thousand listens per podcast, and you get twenty CPM on that. That's a hundred dollars um, across all the ads that you have. Twenty CPM. That's a hundred dollars per podcast. Okay, now you have to make another hundred fifty dollars, right? So then it's saying you need to make an article that's worth $75, two of those, plus a podcast a day. Right. Or make three art do three articles at $50 each. Sure. Right. That's theoretically within the realm of that's a full day's work. Yeah. You know, that's eight hours or so. Um, right. You record for an hour um, and change. 
You then write uh, two or three articles at two hours each. That is a lot of work. No one works eight <laughs> hours straight in this world. But right. theoretically, that is the goal. Okay. That is somewhat plausible. Uh, now, that's a lot of content per day per person. Sure. That's four things, right? We're talking about. Um, not out of the realm of possibility. It, it, it's so, so that's kind of how I think about it with picture list of like, what do we want to make? How much are these things returning? Can we get to a place of this individual person returning that back? Um, there is obviously all these things of yes, but then there's all the things behind the curtain that need to get paid for that don't necessarily make content coming back. Right. So it's not as, you know, a lot of people like think, well, this article's making $150. I can make a hundred back or so from that. And that, but that $50, you know, there's, there's licensing fees, there's uh, developers, there's engineers, there's all this stuff that right. creates the thing that gives the platform in the first place, right? Um, so anyway, what I'm getting at is it's not impossible to do. It's just about creating a platform that is large enough to do it, not to mention in-season, way different than off-season. So you right. got to overcompensate in-season yep. to then do it off-season. I. I think this is possible. Um, I think this is very possible. And I think it's most possible based on, um, I mean, with us, with Pitcher List, it's about um, how do we how do we get the point of, uh, if, if we can get to a point where our passive income of player pages and subscriptions can pay for everything behind the curtain, right? Then it's just about looking at the content itself as like, okay, can we pay the writer for or the, the creator for that? Sure. Right? So I'm trying is what I'm trying to say, Chris. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Stick with me. Yes. <laughs> I certainly I, will. I think I think there's so many talented people in this industry, and it drives me insane that I that we can't find a way to make that work. Right. Um and I, you know, for example, Fangraphs makes it work. Yeah. Fangraphs is doing exactly what I just described. They have their their memberships. They have their you know their their passive uh, player page and leaderboard and return roster resource. And then of course they have the content that they know like their ratio of it. And there you go. They're able to make that work. People work full time at Fangraphs. Yeah. Um. So there is that world that can happen. It's just that I. You know, we gotta, we gotta try. <laughs> we gotta. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing everything I can to get there for you. Yes, and I think um, you're a great leader in that, and I, I appreciate well, that. So, so it brings it back to the. No, no, that's not what I'm trying to say. I, <laughs> uh, I'm not looking. I don't want that. Never say that again. Um, the brings me back to the real point I'm trying to make is so. You have to visualize for yourself. Okay, if that's the kind of metrics I'm trying to hit with it, what can I do? Right. What does that look like for me? So that I can hit that 250 number a day. Sure. And how, what do you see for yourself with that? Well, I mean, my passion first and foremost is the dynasty side. And that's a smaller niche, which creates a a bigger problem, you know? So it's a smaller niche of people. I think it is a passionate group of, of people that love dynasty. So that, that's the first and foremost, the, the passion would be doing, you know, I do rankings, but doing them maybe on a larger scale on a, maybe a subscription scale of that sense. And then providing also like 
daily dynasty podcast and mm-hmm. articles and write-ups like how does how does what we saw the night before apply to a dynasty league and i know right. dynasty leagues long term but actually breaking it down in that sense but at the same time like i really enjoy statcast i really enjoy all these advanced analytics and that's the other side of things that where i think i kind of fit where i do mm-hmm. a lot with that and so teaching people like i, I each offseason i write an a series of articles about how to use Statcast for fantasy baseball, sure. And using those things to, you know, better help make people better players. So those avenues are, and obviously I play redraft leagues too. So like I still love and enjoy that. So any kind of content for that. So like I have such a broad spectrum, but I get what you're saying is finding a a focus on, you know, what you're really good at and focusing on that. And that's I think how you probably profit. Well, I think it's also about how do you you have the focus great and it's fantastic at what you do how does that translate to what you actually put out to make you money right um so i'm gonna do it for you right now if i were you chris here you go all right i mean this is what the goal should be for you and i know it's gonna suck but this is i mean this is what i did with uh with pictureless and everything i i did my i do my roundup every day in season Mm -hmm. i do my streamers every morning in season Yep. I added the streamers thinking like this might be successful. It is more successful than the SP roundup now. Hmm. And I hate that so much <laughs> because the roundup takes more time and it's more of my soul into it. Right. The streamers are easier to do, but it's what people want. I found that thing. That's two things every day. Then I have my third, which is the podcast in the morning, right? Which is the plus pitch now, which is five yep. days a week. So if I'm you and you're saying, this is what I want to do, you should try and find yourself in a situation where you say, Hey, look, I can offer you this. I can give you a morning podcast every day, just being like 15 minutes or 10 minutes about like, okay, this is what's up in the dynasty world and the prospect world. Yeah. That's just like, I know that's so much to cover. That's insane of like AAA, AA, whatever. Um, finding some way to aggregate that. Sure. Uh, finding some method of it, whether you work with other people on it, whatever it is, finding a way to make sure that people are aware of stuff. It could even be... Um, you know, it, it could be something that changes each day. Yeah. It could be like one day is an aggregate of this. One day mm-hmm. is talking about the call-ups that came up. Does this matter? Yeah. Different Whatever. focus each day. And talking about the young guys that are getting more opportunities now that actually apply to your keeper league too. Sure. Um, that's actually, you know, we think about Dynasty only being minor leagues. It's not. I would, so I would have that daily morning one that people mm-hmm. just have in their rotation. Quick one, 10, 15. Yeah. We saw this with the first pitch podcast. That is our most popular podcast. It is not OTC. It is first pitch um, right. because that's what people want. They want to consume it. Having, of course, Ariel Cohen and Jeff Zimmerman retweet at the beginning of the year being like, this is my favorite podcast is a blown, you know, blows my mind. But <laughs> Jeff awesome. is like, this is exactly what I want. I'm like, OK, well, that helps. Yeah. Um, thanks, Jeff. You're amazing. <laughs> and Ariel. Um, but I so I would do that. That's one. Get, establish that. OK. Two, um, having an hour long one, you do that fancy tool shed. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, I would probably have it twice a week. I don't know how frequently you guys do. Yep. I assume it's we once do it a twice. week. Yeah, once, we're doing once right now in the off season till yep. uh, probably late November, early December. And we'll hit back right. two a week. You do too. And to make sure that you have a, a routine with it, I'm sure you do. I'm sorry, I don't do Dynasty. <laughs> uh, I have heard it multiple times though. And it's like, you guys are great at what you do. Um, but I don't know the exact schedule of it. Um, of just whatever it is. With us, like, we, yeah. in, we can review. These are the guys fringe or whatever. You have that all all bases covered with that, sure. right? That's nine. That's nine podcasts, not the five. That's nine. All of a sudden, right? Right? You can capitalize on that. Okay. 
then I would uh, have some regular article about um, whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, and whatever, just nailing this down. I would, I think the biggest thing that is missing in this industry is consistent dynasty rankings. Yeah. Like consistently. Um, people say, oh my God, Nick, how do you do a top 100 every week? It's easy because I write the roundup. Yeah. So you know. I actually do the ranking in like 30 minutes <laughs> or so. You know, it's just like, it's not, you watch it live stream. The The longest time is me like recalibrating, reading through the week. And then it's sorting and stuff just like, okay, this needs to change. This needs to change. But it's not actually that long. Sure. And I imagine you have such a knowledge of everybody in this. Like, you know, this guy or that guy. And like, you don't need to change anything unless something happened. Unless there's something that from your previous assessment is new. Yeah. You catch something. Um, Oh, that needs to adjust. You could literally make the most definitive dynasty prospect ranking out there and it's not done right now it's like there's one in like march there's yep. one in july mm-hmm. i would 100 percent encourage that and there's a it's annoying for me that i can't just say chris i'll pay you all this money that you want right now to <laughs> yeah. just come work for us it's what i want to do i can't do but i want to um but it's you know that's where my mind goes yeah and i it's not out of the question i i guess it's just so important i think about figuring out what it is like what what is the grand scheme if you're thinking about what you want to achieve and when you want to do that i love that literally thinking like how does that look sure what is the thing that i'm actually doing not just oh i want to get paid to do this right which i understand it's about no (laughs) what is that day look like i'm trying to figure it out for myself do i want to do i want to do like the nick and alex baseball show every day I want to do that every day, noon, people show up, it's on Twitch, we have an event for it. I want to do that. Um, how does it fit in with everything else that I do? Okay, I do this at this time. I, do, I like Literally, I'm creating my own dream schedule and how that would work. It's so important to have that and then figure out everything that you do is going towards that goal. It's kind of like I tell kids when I was a pitching coach and everything, they travel baseball coach, every throw you make should be with a purpose and getting closer to the best mechanics ever, right? Every single one you do should be another challenge for that, right? Sure. And content creation and everything that you do in your career should be exactly the same with it. So think about that. Mull it over. Yeah. And then say how stupid I was. No, I got the wheels. (laughs) Nick, I really appreciate that. Um, everyone should be doing this, but I, I see it with, I mean, you, you're in this really interesting position, I think, Chris. Yeah. Um, so think about it. I mean, I don't have a kid though. Uh, it's easier for me to do this stuff. <laughs> uh, and I understand time is a weird thing. Uh, but if that's, if that's what you truly want, there is an outline for it. You just got to yep. figure out the perfect one for you. Sure. And you think, so I guess the question is, do you think that that's, you know, creating my own thing and doing that. Like, I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out. Like, is yeah, how, like, what's the medium for that? Right. Yeah. So, like, yeah. where does it fit? And you mentioned you said you wouldn't start a website. So, what's what would you? Yeah, say? that's a good question. Yeah. I maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe I go back to the the my my ledgers and see see what we can do uh, or something. Like that. I don't know, but I, I think it's more about 
figuring out what it is that you want first. Right. And then exploring all the ways to execute that, right? Sure. Um, I mean, th- things are going to change along the way. Like, and doors will open. Uh, like, oh, I could do this. Oh, wait, there's a good thing I to do on YouTube with this. Oh, yeah. I have a growth on TikTok talking about this player or whatever it is. Yeah. There's so many ways of finding that. Um, it's not starting a website. I'll tell you that because people don't go to websites like they used to unless it's been here for ages. Sure. Um, you can if you want. You can try that. You can maybe do a sub stack is another one. Yeah. Um, Patreon for it. The one problem about Patreon is I think people aren't used to using that as like a website. Sure. Um, yeah. Is the one issue. Starting a medium of it, getting a mm-hmm. following with it without getting paid anything for it and right. then moving that to a Substack, gain that following, right? Yeah. Maybe it's something you talk with fan tracks about. Maybe maybe we are ultimately the ones like, you know what? I'll pay for this. I believe in it, right? You know, I don't know. Yeah. It's all very <laughs> weird and up in the air. But um, finding the the path first is is the tough one. Sure. Yeah, and that's, I guess, in my head, like it's funny that you say that because in my head I was like, I'm going to create a website and have free articles, but also a subscription base for like rankings and that sort of thing mm-hmm. to try to make some and then like have a podcast i guess based through the website yeah but it's interesting that and i don't know like i don't know all the analytics behind websites so it's interesting to hear you say that because now it's got my wheels even more turning about like right what makes sense how do i how do i do that how do i communicate what i do sure um the reason i say don't do a website is because it it, there's a lot of maintenance involved Mm mm-hmm and there are certain thresholds of, uh, you know, success with it. If you do, if you get to a point of like 30,000 hits a month or so, it's like 30 to 50, you can then get automated advertising better than Google AdSense and stuff. Right. I mean, that's what we do. We work with that Thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a huge open door for us, right? But it's really hard to get to that. <laughs> uh, right. And I mean, it took years for us to get to that. Uh, it's... And there's just so much that goes into it. Doesn't look the way you want it to look, or uh, and getting a subscription on a site is not easy to do. <laughs> um, we do member press. Uh, mm-hmm. There have been problems with member press. Right. It's still cheaper, way cheaper than any other one. But it's I, uh, I mean, it's insane to me that like it doesn't take a percentage. It does a flat fee, and that's just yeah. mind blowing to me. Um, but I, uh, it's hard. It's, it's really hard to figure out the exact way that's why i think i i believe in a Substack, yeah personally but i don't actually know how successful subsects are sure in our fantasy space yeah so it's it's tough um this is why i want pictureless to succeed so much because i feel like we should be that we should be that platform for everybody yeah well, you know? it, your platform is all baseball all the time. Right. And most platforms aren't, which right. is, is awesome. And like, it's why it makes me feel so strong in that. Like, you see there value. There are so many people in this industry. Yeah. Right. You see value in, in fantasy baseball writers and podcasters, while other sites, they just see football. That's all they see yeah. is football. We have so. a football site. They do well. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. Eric Smith runs that. Ryan Heath. They're doing wonderful stuff. But yeah, it's baseball, guys. Right. And and. And there's more to it. There's um, I think there's also an idea that fantasy baseball and there's like a separation, fantasy baseball and baseball. Fangraphs has proved that, I think, of like the baseball fanatics. That is like a huge thing still. 
Um, and you don't have to be involved in fantasy baseball to care about sabermetrics. There's an idea in the fantasy world. If you care about sabermetrics, it means you play fantasy baseball. <laughs> not true. Right. Absolutely not true. Um, so uh, we can, you know, there, there's that middle ground that you can hit that we've tried to find the right balance of like a lot of our stuff is fantasy, but a going deep article, that's not, that's not fantasy necessarily. That's, yeah. that's a baseball article. Um, we don't think our player pages are just for fantasy. It's like, no, that's and they're, they're assessing a player. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's, I think the thing that gets lost because some of those places are just their fantasy sites. I mean, it's called yeah. fantasy pros. Right. <laughs> um, and that means it's inherently reducing its reach. Uh, and I think talking about the minor leagues, I mean, having ranking all the prospects of all these teams, that's not just fantasy. Exactly. You're you're an you're an Atlanta Brave fan. You want to know like who are these guys on my team? Sure. I want to read these. You right. know, yeah. this guy's coming up. Who was he about? All that stuff. We just made a trade happen. Who is who is Novelli Marte going to the Reds? Right. Exactly. Is that did I pronounce that right? Please tell me. It will be. Right. Yep. Yeah, you got that. Oh, thank right. God. <laughs> I'm so terrified about that every time. Um, but I, but yeah, it's I, uh, you know, there, there's value outside of fantasy that I think that we're trying to tap into, and that can make this kind of stuff even more so. So, I'm not making any promises. I'm just trying to tell you this is how yeah. my mind works with all the things yeah. that we do. I think it's awesome, and uh, and I want you as a as a as a creator to feel like okay, if that's my goal, how you know, how does it work? And how, how, what are the steps yeah. to achieve it? No, and I think it's great. Like I, to help actually visualize it, it makes sense. Like I think that's very helpful to talk through it. Yeah. So just talking through that is, is huge. But, so I really appreciate that. Even if you're not a content creator, let's say you're, you're at a, you're a junior accountant or something like that. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is. You mentioned accounting before. Like, great. Okay. What, how do you become bigger in it? How do you become a manager? What does a manager do? What is a good quality of a manager? I, why would, how would I get this instead of that? You know, oh, it's all politics. It's not all politics. It's showcasing that you are a personal person that would be able to handle this and they have confidence in. Yeah, for sure. You know, uh, and sure there's a lot of politics. I get it, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, that's what, you know, there are a lot of elements to it and everything that you're doing. If you want identify what it is you want first, then identify what the characteristics of that are and then, then mold it. Right. Yeah. Um, Oh man! All right, you let me rant for a while. I'm so sorry. No, no, it was uh, great. I really appreciate that. I uh, it's yeah. I I I I I think one of the things I hate the most in this is people put in so much time and effort, and they deserve the best. <laughs> and I want people to get that. Um, yeah. So, Chris, question I ask everybody: Do you have a mantra? So I had to think about that. I know you asked people. And so then when I found out I was coming to the show, I was like, oh, I got to really think about that. Like, obviously I have a lot of values that I live by, but I think for me personally, the thing I come back to is it's uh, perseverance, not perfection is a key to success mm, because I love ever want everything to be perfect. Yeah. Like I strive for perfection. I put 120% into everything that I do. But at the same time, I realized that in a lot of things in life, it's not about perfection. It's really about progress and perseverance. So if we're progressing every day, if we're persevering through the trials and the hard things that we go through, we're going to come out stronger on the other side. And I think that beats perfection any day. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. I remember, I remember with my uh, years ago, the therapist, 
uh, I mentioned I was a perfectionist and he got like excited and like, he was like, Oh, that's a whole thing about anxiety. Like, let's, let me I'm like, okay, we're not going to yeah. do this right now. We're not, we're not going to do this one. Um, but you're absolutely right. I, um, I mean, I, the phrase I've been saying a lot is what is development without failure? And sure. you know, if you're uh, for being a perfectionist can eat you alive. Um, no one is perfect. You're going to fail. It's not going to be exactly everything. Um, but as long as you keep moving forward, that's, uh, Jeff Nivey, actually a lead developer is like, just as long as we're making progress and moving in the right direction, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think so that's a awesome. lot. And I love that. Um, yeah. that's a really good one. Oh man, I should have like a whole list of everybody's mantra at this point. <laughs> um, probably have a lot of great stuff to read every day. So many. Yeah. So many going, this should just be like my notion quote of the day every time <laughs> everybody's mantras. Um, but I, but Chris, I can't thank you enough for being here and enduring no, my, my rambling. No, I appreciate uh, it. <laughs> I hope everybody here learned a lot about Chris. Uh, one more time, tell everybody what you're doing and where they can find you. Sure. On Twitter at RotoCleg. Hopefully Twitter continues to exist because Twitter's a yes, great place for will. fantasy it baseball. Yeah. <laughs> and you can find my work at Fantrax, HQ, Dynasty Prospect Redraft, and the podcast, uh, the Fantrax Toolshed with Eric Cross. So you can find that. If you love Dynasty and Prospects, I'd encourage you to go check it out. There you go. Um, everybody, of course, do that. And that is going to do it for this episode of Nick Pollock and Friends. My name is Nick Pollock, and that was my friend, Chris Clegg.